Hello, and welcome to the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Ferguson, certified diversity executive, writer, and multicultural marketing consultant. On this podcast, we share diverse perspectives from leaders in their industries, explore diversity, equity, and inclusion concepts, and challenge our own assumptions and perspectives to take diversity beyond the checkbox. Before we introduce today's guest, for more insights and resources related to diversity and inclusion, visit thediversitymovement.com. Please welcome Hannah Olson to Diversity Beyond the Checkbox. Hannah is a speaker, consultant, and the CEO of Chronically Capable, a platform that connects professionals who live with chronic illness to employers who offer remote work and flexible job opportunities. Hannah started Chronically Capable when she herself had to leave her dream job after graduating from Boston University to undergo aggressive treatment after being diagnosed with Lyme disease. Hannah, welcome to our show. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Let's start with Chronically Capable. Tell us a little more about the mission of your organization and why this kind of work is necessary and as a network connector. We are a talent marketplace that's connecting folks with invisible illnesses and disabilities to opportunities that they statistically have a higher chance of retaining. You know, our hopes are that through our work that we're actually going to be able to change the workplace. Right now, there's so much to undo in the workplace and so much that for so long, we've, we've had this idea that you have to be in an office from nine to five and you have to you know, perform at a certain level. And we've seen just this year alone how you know, much has shifted. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that, but you know, we're really working to, to remove that stigma and, and to create a workplace where everyone is welcome and that you don't have to decide between your health and your career. I'm sure we'll dive deeper into the platform, but it's obviously so rewarding to be working on this company. As, as you said, in my own experience and each day that we do this, I'm more motivated than ever to really create this change in the workplace. That's amazing. Hannah, how many people have invisible illness in the United States? Let's talk about that a little more. Right now, there's currently about 157 million Americans suffering from chronic illnesses. There's about 123 million working age Americans with mm-hmm. at least one chronic illness. And I say at least one because most people are, you know, and I don't want to say most, but many people with a chronic illness actually have more than one. Mm-hmm. So for me, for example, have Lyme disease, also have some issues with my heart and my thyroid due to Lyme disease. Right. And so therefore you kind of check a few different boxes. So diversity beyond the checkbox. Look, I already said the word checkbox. Right. I love um, it. <laughs> um, but you know, we're we're almost at half of our US population right now, which is is absurd. And that number is only going to rise due to not only the aging population, but you know we, we don't really know the long-term effects of coronavirus yet. But this is something that is only expected to rise as the years come. Let's talk about coronavirus a little and how this has shifted the workplace for all of us. I know that there were some concerns with, you know, remote work previously and, and a lot of organizations saying, no, you know, you're not going to get as much accomplished, but we have disproven that as a whole this year, haven't we? Let's talk about that a little bit and some of the accommodations that would be required for organizations that are looking to support and employ people that have chronic illnesses. Yeah, great question. And it, it's such a timely topic. Obviously, we're, we're kind of at this tipping point in our workplace culture right now. And I think the coronavirus has really pushed us there. And unfortunately, it has taken COVID-19 really 
to show us the benefits of non-traditional work solutions. Coronavirus has led so many companies to adopt these truly fundamental technology solutions. And we've realized that to be productive, an employee doesn't always have to be in an office place and that it's possible to increase both accessibility and flexibility and still maintain this high quality work product. And so these trends are, are only presenting new opportunities for working age individuals who are suffering from an illness or disability who have been long left out of the job market. So I'm hopeful that this is a time of change. And then to your question really about the accommodations that people have been looking for, one thing alone is remote work. You know, a year ago, we weren't talking about remote work and illness. It was so taboo to talk about being sick at work. And people have been begging to work remotely for years, especially those with chronic illnesses. And so, you know, a lot of our community is actually very frustrated because suddenly March hits and everyone's allowed to work remotely. And it's like this magic wand and, and every single person can work from home. And that's something people had been asking for for years and, and getting denied. So simply the, the fact of being able to work remotely is a huge shift for our community. Also just the idea of, of open communication about illness. As I said, it's been so taboo to talk about being sick at work and you don't want to be that person who you know, has a stomach ache and has to go home early. But now we're forced to talk about it. And I think that this is, is only going to help everyone in the long run because at the end of the day, we're all humans and we have life and life, you know, life shows up and um, we're, we're learning to be more accommodating and more accepting across the board. And, and I think coronavirus is a huge reason as to, to why we're doing that. It, it's, it's forcing us to do this. Absolutely, Hannah. And just to reiterate, 123 million working age Americans, that's a lot of people that want to be in the workplace, that are going to be amazing employees in the workplace, but we've not as a whole made these necessary accommodations. You know, and now we see that it, it was something that we could have done all along. What are some of the misconceptions about invisible illness or chronic illness that people have? I think it varies because some people have been touched by chronic illness and have a sister or a wife you know, or a coworker who has a chronic illness. But the biggest thing that I hear is really this idea that chronic illness is this blanket term. That means you're sick in a hospital bed. And in reality, that's, that's not true. So that's one thing is just the, the fact that we think about the word chronic and chronic has so much stigma. That's something that I'm really trying to change with chronically capable by you know, shifting the stigma of that word because it's so negative and it's so dark. And really, so we think of the word chronic and we assume chronic illness means you're just you know, always sick and you're not able to contribute. Um, and, and that's not true. So that's kind of the first thing. I think another big misconception would be that you miss work a lot. They're not able to show up and perform at the same level. And then really that, you know, this idea that accommodations are expensive. In reality, these are actually really minimal and fruitful investments. And the average cost to accommodate someone is only about $500 per employee. So these are really small numbers here that we're talking. But employers have this idea that, you know, we have to do X, Y, Z and change our technology and do all of this stuff to accommodate. And in reality, that's not true. And, and unfortunately, unlike most disabilities, there isn't really this standard accommodations list for the chronically ill community because their needs fluctuate. And so we have to have the idea that each person is different. And, you know, we need to, to really understand that each situation is unique. Yeah, absolutely. Hannah, many companies don't provide these accommodations for professionals with disabilities for multitude of reasons. Either they're not aware, 
that their organization's not inclusive. They believe it'll be too expensive, which you just talked about. It's about a $500 investment per employee, which is not a significant number at all. When you think about what that employee can generate from you know a productivity standpoint over time or lack of education. So let's talk about why hiring people with disabilities is good for business and why employers need to be more inclusive. I love this question. This is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, you know, disability inclusion is really, it, it's an opportunity and it's not a chore. And hiring people with disabilities and illnesses is good for people. And in turn, it's good for companies. And so the more we have these inclusive and accessible, flexible workplaces and policies, really, this is the key to helping everyone work better. And so the businesses that actually do foster strong inclusion programs have better access to talent and they can find the right person for the right job. And so these businesses, they have higher employee retention. And in turn, they also have the tools they need to help their employees thrive. And so I always love to just kind of reiterate the fact that hiring people with disabilities is good for business, but most businesses aren't, you know, either they don't know or they're not taking advantage of that fact. And so with Chronically Capable, we're, we're really trying to bridge that gap. And, you know, just to note too, this diversity group is the one that any of us can be a part of at any time. And, you know, whether it's trauma or accident or, or illness or, you know, even age. For me as an employee, it's important to know that I have an inclusive workplace because you just never know what accommodations you'll need as an employee, you know, as time progresses. So I love that. With invisible illness, I know that with some conditions, some days can be great and some days not great. There isn't a standard accommodation, as you said, and there's some level of randomness in the accommodations necessary from day to day. What advice would you give, Hannah, to organizations to manage the unpredictability of invisible illness? I think the biggest thing is to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I say this both to employers and to colleagues, especially as a colleague, you have this idea, like, I'm not supposed to ask if this person's okay or if they need support. And this can snowball and, and you get into the situation where that person's not even getting asked. And so I think it's important to ask questions and just say, you know, how are you doing today? Is there anything I can do to be supportive to you today? And it's such a simple thing that can go a long way that people just miss or they feel uncomfortable to do. And then an another thing that organizations can do is, is to constantly be educating themselves and learning. This goes beyond just the, the idea of including people with disabilities, but this is just part of the diversity discussion and, and the inclusion piece. You know, it's one thing to hire a, a diverse workforce, and it's another thing to include those people. And so constantly being able to educate yourselves as an organization, having lunch and learn sessions, just being on top of, of this puzzle because, you know, you can't fall short at the end of the day. And so I think it's important to always be, you know, on top of it. Absolutely. And Hannah, can you tell us a little bit more about Lyme disease and your personal journey with invisible illness? Yeah. So I, I graduated from college back in 2017. About a week after my graduation, I got a pick line put in my arm which is essentially a permanent IV. So it extends from your arm to above your heart. I was hooked up about six to eight hours a day, depending mm -hmm. on the week. And in my case in particular, I had you know, gone through heavy doses of antibiotic treatments for about two years. Ultimately, it wasn't working. And so the PICC line was kind of the last option 
for me to, to get well. And so I moved down to DC, got this amazing job, have a pick line in my arm, and suddenly I'm in a in an office and I have a boss who's not okay with that and didn't want me to have a pick line and didn't want clients to see it. And I quickly was in this place of having to decide between my health and my career. Mm. At this point in time, I'm 22 years old. I'm new to a city and I'm still sick. And I'm also trying to impress my boss and move up in the workplace. And so for me, I, I really reached this tipping point of why do I have to decide between the two and why should someone ever have to do that? And so I personally started to kind of in my free time go online and I read in all of these different support groups, really hated support groups at the time, but I went in them and I kind of stalked them and saw what people were talking about. And I kept seeing that same sentiment of, you know, I want to work, I'm able to work, but physically the, the demands of a traditional nine to five just can't coexist with my treatment. And I saw that about a hundred times. I had this weird folder on my computer where I took hundreds of screenshots of of people saying this and I, I realized, you know, you're not alone. Mm. And that's when I really saw the depth of chronic illness in the United States. And I quickly realized that this was something I needed to change. I was someone who didn't like talking about illness. I never mm. talked about Lyme disease beyond my close circle. And then suddenly it was my life and my career. And, you know, I'm going on podcasts and going on, you know, in the news and talking about my illness suddenly in front of everyone, which is a really weird experience because it was something invisible for so long. And then it was visible to the world. Right. And so I've had quite the personal battle of this whole experience. But at the end of the day, I think this has given me some strength. You know, I'm really grateful for this disease. I think it's given me so much and taught me so much and given me the opportunity to be a part of things that I don't think I ever would have. And so yeah. at 24 years old right now to be able to be like, hey, look what I'm doing now. It's it's um, amazing thinking back at a few years ago when I was so sick and, and barely hanging on. Wow. At 24, that you've accomplished so much. That is really, really incredible. What makes you want to, or what made you want to step out and lead this instead of managing it yourself in, in the box that so many of us who are marginalized will place ourselves in? What made you want to step out, Hannah, at such a young age and, and do this work? Yeah. So online, there's a ton of, you'll see a lot about chronically ill folks becoming entrepreneurs because you have to create your own solution and you have to pave your own path because the traditional workplace wasn't inclusive and it wasn't allowing us to, to survive. And so, you know, I was someone I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur or a founder um, I still kind of can't believe that, but, you know, I, I ended up joining this small tech startup in DC and I told them about my illness and told them about my experience. And while in that office, I realized now's the time. If you're going to do this, you have to do it now. And so I pitched the idea to my boss and flash forward six months later, my boss is my co-founder. I, I felt like if I didn't do this, no one else would. And I didn't have a future at work if it weren't for something like Chronically Capable. That's such an amazing story. And Hannah, let's talk a little more about Chronically Capable. Can you tell us about some of your clients and what exactly uh, does this platform do? How do we engage with the platform? So we, we launched this in February of 2020, which was arguably the worst time you could launch a recruiting platform, given that March unemployment was skyrocketed and hiring was pretty much halted across the board. But then, you know, as we discussed, 
throughout the months and with coronavirus, we, we really saw this spike in business. We currently have about 45 employer partners on the platform. This can range from small tech startups all the way to some of the large San Francisco giants like uh, WhatsApp and Postmates and Wikimedia. So we really do have a true range of employers. Um, the community has grown to about 28,000 job seekers as of today. It grows by you know several thousand uh, a month. And so that's that's only going to rise. So we've got a huge community now. And I think that the motivation is there and it's happening now. Like this, this is the time for Chronically Capable. So that's really exciting. Um, the ways that you can engage with us, we have, you know, you're able to sign up through our website. I'm happy to to drop the the website uh, URL right now. It's www.capable.work. And we are a job platform and, and marketplace. So you're able to post job positions, get access to um, different uh, insights and analytics. You're able to um, have resources dedicated to um, or specific to people with chronic illnesses and disabilities. And yeah, it's a wonderful platform. We have such a highly qualified talent pool. It's amazing. About 65% of our community actually has 10 plus years of work experience. So this is a very highly qualified talent pool that's just untapped. That is fantastic. Kenna, what is your long-term goal with Chronically Capable and what challenges are you facing currently with coronavirus, with just the, the general understanding and education of organizations. Let's talk about that a little. It's a weird time to be a person right now. And I think I, I sometimes have to pinch myself and be like, hey, have a moment of gratitude because look at what you've done during a pandemic. But our biggest challenges right now always kind of come back to just funding and growing our businesses on the platform. I've been a one-person sales team for a while, so that's been very challenging. However, we just closed our first pre-seed fundraise. So starting in January, I'm going to have some teammates, which is great, um, which is really exciting to grow our team. So that's that's probably the biggest challenge because we don't want to end up in that chicken and egg situation of having too many job seekers and not enough jobs. And so I'm constantly kind of dealing with that. In terms of what's next in the, in the future, we just launched something really cool that I'm, I'm very excited about. It's a kind of Glassdoor-like component of our website where you're actually able to rate companies based on variety of accessibility questions, accommodation offerings, representation and leadership. And so our goal is to really bring true transparency to the workplace through this. And so I'm really excited about that new feature. In terms of kind of long term, you know, our goal is that in the next five years that we'll be able to eliminate the vast, vast unemployment gap uh, between these non-disabled and disabled Americans. And so our hopes are really that through our ambitions that we're able to work with cities and states and governments to be able to slash these employment rates, I think chronically capable while it's a tech company at its core, we're trying to create change. And so really personally, I hope that we can work with our government to create laws around this and to actually make this something that isn't a goal, that it's a mandate and we can really create true equality in the workplace. And you know, just again with the, the requests of working from home and being able to work remote and that not being accommodated. And then here we get this pandemic and all of a sudden we're all working from home. It's working well, right? People are still getting their you know work accomplished, making money. And it's so important to be forward thinking about how we can be more inclusive. So I love that. 
Hannah, tell us one of your favorite success stories with a chronically capable member. So a few months ago, I, I actually did a Facebook Live with Congressman Joe Kennedy, which was really cool because I'm a huge Kennedy fan in the first place. After that Facebook Live, I, I had an outreach on the website from an employer who said, I saw the Facebook Live and I actually run a company that supports people with chronic diseases and I'd like to post the job. And two days later says, I have hundreds of applicants for this job. I cannot choose who I want to um, pick. So I ended up actually hiring two people for this one job. One of those people just reached out to us the other day on Instagram and just thanked us and was like, I love my job. I love my boss. This is so great. Thank you. And, you know, it's those moments that I really start to feel the impact because I get lost in my day to day with talking to employers and talking to investors and yeah. doing podcasts. And so I don't really get to see as much of the impact piece. And so um, messages like those just really make me excited about how many other people are, are having that same success through the platform. There's another live job on on there now. So if you're looking for a job and listening to this, I encourage you to check out Maeve. They're an awesome employer. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's, it's so awesome when we know that we're making a real difference in people's lives. And, and the differences can be small at first, but ultimately you're making major change. And I think that is so fantastic. Hannah, what do you like to do when you're not working? Uh, I love to hang out with my friends and my family. I, I feel very sucked into my work from nine to six or however many hours I'm sitting at my desk. So I think after I'm after work, I'm not really much of an exerciser. So I'm more so really love to just be with my friends. I love going to restaurants. I love going to bars. I love going, being out. And so it's very hard during quarantine, but I've picked up some new hobbies. I just finished rollerblading right before this oh, podcast. Wow. So that's a new quarantine hobby. I also have learned to sous vide, or I've really learned to cook during quarantine and love um, sous vide. I don't know if you have one of those, but it's best purchase of the year. That is awesome. And Hannah, what's the best advice that you give to people who are living with invisible illness? When you're dealing with a long-term illness, it's easy to get caught up in, in the illness and the illness becomes your life. And for so long, that was the case for me. And I was almost trapped in, in my situation. That was all I talked about. It was all I thought about. And I, I lost sight of who I was beyond my illness. And so I think when I talk to other people in the community, I try to encourage folks to, to find something that they're passionate about. In my case, it's a little weird because there's overlap in what I do and with my illness, but I think, you know, having something that motivates you in the morning and can get you up and get you out really is so important when you're dealing with something for so long. And I think it's also important to know that you're not alone. When I figured out that there was that many millions of Americans out there dealing with the same struggles as I was, it made it feel a little less isolating. And then it made it feel a lot less isolating as I dove into this job. And so I think, you know, it's important to remember that because it can be such a isolating thing to deal with, especially during a pandemic when we're home and quarantined. And you know, one of the reasons why I always like to ask the question, what do you do outside of work is because, you know, so many times with invisible illness, that's the thing that you lead with and you don't have to, there's so much more to, to all of us 
than the diversity pieces that define us, right, as individuals. So um, thank you for sharing that. One of my favorite things to ask is tell us something about you that not a lot of people know. Two fun facts. Do you want fun facts? Or is that better? Okay. Um, one is that I can yodel, which oh, is so okay. random. And I learned it when I was younger. And we're going to stop right now. And I want to hear some of that. No. Yeah. No, not happening. <laughs> Never done that. At- my mom used to make me do it in the yard when I was growing up. Oh, my goodness. It's really annoying. Interesting. I can yodel. Um, the other thing is I'm addicted to chicken nuggets. You would think that I run a company that is, you know, focused on health and wellness that I would practice what I preach, but I have a serious, serious chicken nugget problem and <laughs> I've got to, got to cut out the nuggets. And uh, those chicken nuggets reign supreme. So for a long time, I thought it was Wendy's, but now I moved to Texas and I had Jack in the box, which no one likes, everyone's like, why do you go to Jack in the box? Best chicken nuggets. I will stand by their chicken nuggets and curly fries <laughs> till my, till my, you know, till the grave. So <laughs> I have to remember I'm still 24. Like sometimes, you know, I get so caught up in business discussions that I have, you know, it's easy to forget you're 24, live a little yodel and eat some nuggets. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And then Hannah, as we begin to wrap up, what do you want to leave our listeners with today? What do people need to take with them away from this conversation? I want to reiterate what I said before is that hiring people with illnesses and disabilities is good for business. This is not a chore. This is a huge opportunity to reach an untapped pool of talent and to create a more inclusive workplace for everyone in your organization. And Um, So I I just want to reiterate that because I think that's the number one question I get is why would I hire people who are differently abled? And I think it's important to remember that there are business gains and and beyond that, there's human gains. And so I'd like to leave us with that. And the future of work, um, you know, is inclusive. Absolutely. Hannah, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. Please let our listeners know again how they can reach you and get connected with Chronically Capable. So our website is www.capable.work. Um, weird website, I know, but the other one's longer. So, um, and then our um, email is hello at wearecapable.org. We also have chat on the website. Um, if you are an employer and interested in, in speaking with me, you're able to uh, book a demo with me on our website. I take all of our demo calls, so you will get to meet me. And yes, we, we'd love to have you. We've got thousands and thousands of job seekers looking for roles. So um, there's no no shortage of, of opportunity there. Awesome. Hannah, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you like this show, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a rating and review as well. This show was edited and produced by EarFluence. If you're looking for information on how full-service podcast production can amplify your voice and build your community, visit EarFluence.com. I'm Jackie Ferguson, and we'll see you soon on Diversity Beyond the Checkbox.